0: Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. First of all, I'd like to say it was great to see so many people in London last week for LME. In particular, those of you who came to my 6th annual BMO Research Seminar on the Tuesday, I really hope you learned learn something from the event, whether from BMO, East Asia Econ or Rural Motion. and I promise I'll try and get a larger venue for next year. If I was to sum things up from the LME events and discussions, well, I've never seen such divergence between the macro and the micro in metals markets. In terms of the macro everyone is nervous. And for good reason. Inflation is doing its job on developed world demand. Financial market risk is elevated. Central banks are tightening. The dollar is strong. You really don't have to look too far in commodity markets for a potential problem at the moment. Right here and right now, however, inventories are low and China is getting better, which is typically a sign for better times ahead for metals. For all the concerns about next year's order books, Well, producers and traders suggest that metals end users are still calling on material at the present time, if perhaps less aggressively than earlier in the year, partly because they are nervous about supply security, and partly because those metal premiums on an annual basis are likely to be higher next year. If you ask what a good short was in base metals at the moment, even the macro bears are nervous on any aggressive positioning given the prevailing inventory levels and low liquidity in markets more generally. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if metals prices are actually higher by year-end. Though I do worry that the visible inventory bill that we always get through Q1, combined with some macro fears, may weigh on metals prices at that point. I'd also like to highlight that I've changed my view on the potential LME ban on delivery of Russian material. I thought this was a certainty, but now I'd say the balance is that any decision is probably deferred. It seems like feedback from the industry was mixed with many of the key LME brokers suggesting the exchange may have distorted markets perhaps too much already this year, and the LME should take a bit of a hands-off approach. I'd personally say the LME is hoping the US government takes the decision out of its hands, but there seems little evidence of anything to that end thus far. Meanwhile, LME week always good for a bit of industry gossip, so we have various theories of who might buy Wood Mackenzie, which has since been confirmed to be private equity, there's talk of civil wars and trading houses, but perhaps the best was that desalination plants servicing Escondida, the world's largest copper mine, had been clogged up by jellyfish. It was offline for that reason. We have no data to confirm or deny this, but that would certainly be a new one for the copper disruption file. Six weeks ago, the question I was being asked more than any other was around the potential for a huge copper supply growth next year. At that point, industry consultants had around 10% year-on-year mine supply growth after disruption, and we were running with about 5%. Since then, what have we seen? Delays to new projects. Most notably QB2, downgrades to 2023 production guidance from many companies. But if there was one big takeaway from LB Week which changed the numbers, it was the scale and duration of the issues at Cadelco. Now, the higher frequency data already pointed to by q 3 which was confirmed in Last Friday's operational report where output, including the minority stakes, dropped 15% year-on-year to 352,000 tons. That's the lowest quarter we've seen in recent times. However, feedback from Chilean participants was that there's little hope of any near-term rebound and potential that output could be markedly lower than general expectations for next year, perhaps in the order of 200 to 250,000 tons. Never mind flat as a new up it does feel like down is a new flat in terms of those volumes. So while some participants still have a surplus of over 700,000 tonnes in the copper market next year, we currently model 126,000 tonnes. That's essentially balancing. given we will enter 2023 with very low inventory cover, and 2023 was that problem year for the copper balance, yet again, it seems that copper supply, particularly from existing operations, is helping with the longer-term bull story. Now, this past week did see a reasonable metals rally on hopes for a relaxation in China's COVID restrictions following reports that a factory and logistics reopening committee had been established with state council backing. However, my friends at PRC Macro, well, they note that rather than a shift in policy towards zero COVID, the committee's focus is going to be on managing excessive local lockdowns and supply chain disruptions under the current existing zero COVID policy guidance. I continue to say that the reopening in China will probably be a slow and steady process with no formal announcements of any full measures. However, the restrictions themselves, based on data and others, will gradually normalise to those seen the situation seem internationally over the next 12 months. For metals, actually, the key impact of this committee and, and listening could be actually be to ensure greater flow of recycled materials. Bear in mind that scrap collection was hit really hard by the lockdowns in the current year. In terms of China, more generally, there can be no doubt that President Xi has consolidated power. And there's a lot of concern being noted by those close to China that the lack of checks and balances in the new standing committee could be a problem in future years. But in terms of 2023, however, I'm increasingly of the view that Beijing is getting worried about deflation, just as the rest of us in the world are worrying and fretting about inflation. And if consumer confidence is still being hampered by lockdown potential, this is likely to mean More fiscal spending, yet again. Indeed, China's PBOC, well, they've asked the national banks to revise their credit pricing to boost medium-to-long-term lending to the corporate sector. Interest on loans given will be partly subsidized by the Ministry of Finance. Where are those loans going? Well, construction of schools, hospitals, and manufacturing equipment. I'd say this is evidence of some more targeted stimulus into 2023, with the areas targeted, well, they're strategic for demographic reasons. China needs more social security for an ageing population, and it needs a productivity boost given the working age population is now falling by 7 to 8 million per annum. Finally, this week, I wanted to share one thing I noticed at the recent FT mining summit held just before LME week. Many of the panel sessions discussed the need for greater collaboration in the mining sector to address some of the challenges faced, whether it be in carbon reduction. Training or putting capex to work, Uh, and in particular the mine of the future panel. Well, that talks about opportunities for the industry to share infrastructure and optimize operations in remote areas, particularly around the reducing the overall footprint of the extractive industry in general. I think we're getting nearer the point of more joint ventures at the mine level to try and push new assets forward. Shareholders are naturally nervous about concentrated capex risk in the balance sheet given the damage this has done to various mining companies in the past. However, if CapEx were to be shared across various balance sheets, perhaps involving a non-mining participant such as a Japanese trading house or, dare we mention it, an automaker, well, this concern is somewhat alleviated. Have a think about the relative successes of this approach at Escondida or Antamina, and inherently it makes sense. And with many gold miners looking to diversify into copper, we may find that they are more willing JV partners than before. Of course, it will take five years plus to see any impact from new projects, but it could be that capital spending is not the taboo subject it has been in recent years, as concerns around supplying the global fuel to materials transition grow. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. If you have any questions or suggestions, just get in touch directly and I do hope you can join me next time around to discuss more pertinent issues for the global metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research, in tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at (music) bmo.com To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen Disclosure.